0: I went around searching and talking to students who were studying back then and they were going through the same experience and as I researched more and more I realized that this is not my problem it's not my friend's problem it's not an Indian school system problem but it's a global problem that you know uh, our education system schools by and large throughout the world were designed for the industrial revolution to get human beings set up for factories Uh, The world has changed dramatically, but our education system just hasn't kept pace with the change. Uh, And I felt very passionate about it, uh, and that's why I decided to do something about it.
1: Okay, so uh, welcome to everyone to a new season of uh, Startup Fridays, uh, which, as you know, uh, is a weekly conversation with uh, accomplished entrepreneurs, VC investors, and other folks who are doing uh, significant work in India's uh, startup ecosystem. Um, and we're starting this new season uh, with this first episode with uh, Aditya Prakash. Uh, Aditya is co-founder and CEO of Skidos Labs. It's an award-winning maker of children's educational apps. Uh, the company is headquartered in uh, Denmark. Aditya co-founded Skidos in uh, 2013. And the company has won awards including the Parents' Choice Award and the Family Choice Award. Before Skidos, uh, after an MBA from the Indian School of Business and the Tuck School of Business, Aditya had a successful corporate career, including work at Bharti Airtel and uh, HT Media, and he's joining us today from Copenhagen. Aditya, welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Hari, and thanks for the intro. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: All right. Okay. So let's let's get started with the simplest thing. Uh, tell us about the path that brought you to Skidos. He was a snapshot of the journey start as way back as you like maybe go to modern school in delhi and bring us to copenhagen but uh, yeah. like a two five minute snapshot
0: okay i'll try to keep it brief but it's i mean it's uh, hard to summarize eight years in a snapshot <laughs> but i will um <laughs> so yeah but it actually my journey started with modern school uh, uh but the reason why i founded skiddles was because of uh, my own personal experience with my education, which was in modern school. So I was fortunate enough to have parents who could afford to send me to, uh, you know, modern school. Uh, That's a privilege which I was born with. Uh, I realized that my school could have done a much better job uh, than it did. Because when I entered my professional life, that's when I actually, you know, became very interested in uh, topics like history and science and literature. Whereas in school, I think uh, the teachers did not... Really succeed in building my curiosity towards the subjects in the classroom, uh, hmm. so that triggered me to thinking that was this experience you know unique to me or were others also experiencing the same. And then I asked a lot of my friends back then that, you know, how was your experience? And they shared a very similar experience. And then when I went around searching and talking to students who were studying back then, and they were going through the same experience. And as I researched more and more, I realized that this is not my problem. It's not my friend's problem. It's not an Indian school system problem, but it's a global problem that, you know, um, Mm. our education system, schools by and large throughout the world were designed for the industrial revolution to get human beings set up for factories. Uh, The world has changed dramatically, but our education system just hasn't kept pace with the change. Uh, And I felt very passionate about it, uh, and that's why I decided to do something about it. Uh, Why I ended up choosing games is because since I was not found in the classroom at modern school, I ended up being a sports person, uh, and my love for sports uh, naturally made me love any type of games, whether it's uh, AAA games or mobile games or board games. I thought that was like the most fun way to you know, pastime. And at that time in 2013, my simple premise was, you know, that if learning could be made into a game, then maybe children will not experience uh, what I had experienced in my classroom. And then from 2013 to 2017, the first four years was more about failing as an entrepreneur and then learning from those failures. And uh, those failures gave us insights on what could work. And uh, that's now uh you know culminated into a product which is doing well and uh now that skiddos is uh, actually a, a bit the positive company so it's a yeah it's a huge success um i i can talk about um the different pivots we made in this journey of the first four years um, yeah i
1: mean let's yeah I, i'm going to i'm going to get to that i mean definitely want to know about those pivots but uh, one word kind of jumped out at me i mean the point about curiosity uh and uh, you know what you what you went through in school, not really sort of you know picking your interest, and uh, might seem sort of a little bit not so serious, but it has very deep-seated implications, isn't it? I mean, if you kind of kill curiosity or not really kind of get people going when they're really young uh, and open to learning uh, when they're still impressionable, I guess uh, in yeah. the longer term it probably has implications for people's ability to really innovate and invent things, and you know. Uh, I guess, yeah, I'm just wondering what you think of that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, our education system, at least uh, when I was in student, was all about memorizing. It was very little to do with practical use cases of anything that was taught in the classroom, right? There were cases uh, where that was the case, but by and large, it was about memorizing things and then answering uh, during the exams and getting the grades based on your your memory capability. Uh, And that actually... Kills that that way of teaching kills the natural curiosity towards a particular topic and that, that is something which countries like uh, Finland and even the Scandinavian countries like Denmark uh, are, are actually working on Singapore is also another country doing really well uh, but those are just small cases in small countries which are you know following the new way of building curriculum and classrooms and how topics are taught based on not memorization but actual practical use and what children are genuinely passionate about learning. Uh, but by and large, the world is still behind, including India. So that is something which all of us are equally responsible uh, to help uh, you know, change both governments, education system, teachers, parents, uh, the venture capital world, all of them hold responsibility to do something about it because if this doesn't change at a fast pace, we will be leaving a generation behind and you know, children who will enter the workforce 15-20 years down the line are going to be so, so short skilled, uh, and that does not sound like a nice world to you know enter into your professional life for at least children right now. So I'm definitely very passionate about it.
1: Yeah, I guess I that that's also happening at a time when we are faced with so many urgent problems uh, which need people to innovate and come up with solutions that we don't know about today. Right? I mean, climate change is a fantastic example, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, let's let's sort of dive right into uh, some of the things that we want to talk about today. Uh, tell us about Skydoves, story of why you started it, how you even you've spoken about the why a little bit, uh, yeah. maybe you could talk about some of the specific ideas, the conversations and brainstormings that went into it. Yeah, how was it started, who was your co-founder, all of yeah. those things.
0: So, uh, for the first uh, 4 years, uh, my co-founder was uh, my best friend Rastdeep Sethi. Uh, uh, we thought that uh, we'll start with educational games, but our first product was actually targeted for schools because that's where we thought you know you can make a bigger impact. So uh, what we dis- we were inspired by a Disney product back then, a product called Club Penguin, which was very popular amongst primary school students. It was this mm. virtual world where kids could you know play these mini games and have their own avatar and then chat with each other in a safe environment. That was Club Penguin. We wanted to do something like that, but with educational as a focus. Uh, so what we decided was uh, we used an obsolete technology now, which is called Flash, and we use Flash to make uh, more than 100 games, uh, across, you know, covering the ncrt CBSE school curriculum, covering primary school subjects like math, English, science, social science. And the idea was that, you know, uh, children would play these mini games and earn a virtual currency and then use that currency to, uh, you know, create their avatars, create their virtual homes and then chat with each other in the safe environment. We consciously did not make it into a web product in the sense that it was not a, 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 a website. It was basically a software product which we wanted to sell to schools uh, where mm-hmm. they could use it in the intranet because we wanted to secure it within a school system. Um, mm-hmm. And we tried doing that uh, for one and a half years uh, and realized that you know selling to schools is probably one of the hardest B2B sales in this world. This was not an Indian problem, of course, Selling to schools in India back in 2013 had some additional challenges which maybe Europe and North America might not have in in terms of hardware capabilities inside the computer labs. Stuff like that was a problem. Uh, But uh, we we only managed to sell to about 20 odd schools in one and a half years. We realized that this was not scaling fast enough as we had hoped for. Uh, So we decided to pivot uh, and look at what was happening in the consumer space. So this was around... 2014, uh, we looked at the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store to see what kind of educational games are out there. And uh, based on our search, what we saw was basically almost all companies were gamifying learning content, which meant that the learning content which existed in textbooks, most of these companies were digitizing it, putting sound, animation, a quiz and selling it as an educational game. Now, we uh, observed hundreds of kids and based on our observation, we realized that children will not be fooled by such camouflage learning content. They will not replace the casual games they play in their free time with such educational games because they just simply don't match up to the fun factor. So this was the foundation of our second product, uh, built on the premise that children prefer casual games over camouflage learning content. Uh, That took us to a second journey where we made our own in-house game. Uh, It was uh, an endless runner game inspired by games like Subway Surfer, Temple Run, um, Donkey Kong. um, Where the idea was there was this character, hero character who had to run as far as as he could while avoiding Mm. obstacles. And in between there were math puzzles for primary school students to solve where the child could earn currencies. Now this taught us that you know, it took us about a year, little over a year to make this game, a game called Milk Hunt. We realized that making a high quality game is time consuming and also required a lot of resources. Uh, but when we launched this game, we were pleasantly surprised that our initial hypothesis that you know, children actually prefer casual game to camouflage learning content ended up being true because uh, the retention and engagement rate of that game for the first 45 days, it was really high. It was around 40 percent after 45 days, and that was very, very unusual for an educational game. Yet, after 45 days, we saw that the engagement and attention started falling. And when we spoke to kids and observed kids, we realized that they were getting bored because kids, being kids, uh, like to you know uh, play around with newer content. So this was, uh, and from a business point of view, that also did not succeed because beyond 45 days, if your in- engagement and attention starts falling, then it backs business. Now with these insights, um, I applied for an accelerator program called Startup Bootcamp, uh, which was running in Denmark, Copenhagen, which is why I ended up coming to Denmark. Mm. Uh, I got We got selected, so I came to Copenhagen in the summer of 2015. Uh, met a lot of interesting people in entrepreneurship, in gaming, in education. Uh, quickly realized that a lot of the global innovation in both gaming as well as in education, was being led by the Scandinavian countries so for for example I mentioned earlier that Finland and Denmark are really really innovating the way education is actually thought of in the classroom and even beyond. Uh, Similarly in gaming a large number of your successful studios where the most famous IPs uh, among games is actually coming out from Finland, Denmark, Sweden, Iceland countries like these so I mm-hmm. thought that, you know, it made sense because I was in education and games. So it made sense to set up the head office here. And mm-hmm. then uh, an accelerator program, you know, really forces you to reflect on, you know, what you learn from your failures. And in, mo- in one of those reflections, uh, I realized that, you know, if children like this combination of an actual casual game with learning content embedded in it, why do we as a company need to make the casual game? There are so many casual games already out there made by brilliant game studios. Was there a way to embed learning puzzles in those games? And from that reflection, I realized that there was a way and which is now what is a core product which feeds our business model, uh, which I guess, I guess now I can talk about our business model.
1: Mm. One quick question. You, you, you mentioned NCART uh, curriculum earlier. So yeah. uh, initially, did you start out with the Indian market in mind? Yes, yes,
0: uh, the initial days of Skiddos was only entirely uh, targeting India till we realized that that also, uh, at least in educational games, was not mature enough to be a paying mm. market. It had to be an advertising-led market and we, would, we wanted to stay away from advertising.
1: And, and that, was, that was also when you were looking to actually sell uh, some kind of an installable software to schools. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. How, how many schools did you reach? So
0: around 20 odd schools in one and a half years. Uh, they actually tried
1: it out. Yes, they tried it
0: out. And this, I mean, they, they, they had a positive response, but just we could not scale beyond 20 schools. Uh-huh. And we felt that uh, that was not large enough for us.
1: Mm-hmm. So so in uh, once, once you got to uh, Denmark, or, or, like you said, over the course of time, you've uh, switched to now making a, a software development kit that uh, anyone with games could use to... Uh, make it turn it into an education app is that is that what you do now
0: yes correct so that's the core product which helps us do this behind the scenes uh the consumer product of course consumers don't know this the parents and kids who use our games don't know how the game is created uh, but i can talk about uh, how this software development kit works uh, so typically uh, you know game studios uh, make money either through advertisements or in-app purchases found in their games Uh, How we go about creating an educational game is first, we identify games which are popular amongst kids or sometimes even made for kids. Uh, We reach out to the game studios who have made these games. We introduce ourselves. Uh, Now, when we do a deal, licensing deal with a game studio, uh, what we tell them is that if they give us their code repository, We would remove the advertisements and in-app purchases found inside the game and replace it with learning puzzles. So how a child experiences one of our educational games is instead of watching an advertisement in between gameplay, they actually have to solve a math puzzle. Uh, Or instead of paying real money for some virtual item in the game, they actually have to solve a coding puzzle or a reading puzzle. That's how the child experiences it. Uh, How how we make money? So we have a B2C subscription model. So if a parent subscribes to Skiddos, they get unlimited access to all the learning apps we have, including the games inside these apps. Uh, And then we do a revenue share agreement with our uh, licensing studios. That's how the whole uh, business model works.
1: So, I mean, as a sort of layperson, I'm thinking you've you actually figured out a way to uh, make inroads into an otherwise uh, purely gaming experience, which may or may not be good for a child, uh, and, exactly. I, and infuse uh, something more worthwhile. Uh, you know, teach them math, and I guess over a period of time, you teach them other subjects as well.
0: Exactly. I mean, uh, uh, if you follow this field, you know, the gamification is a term used largely by everyone right uh, we are actually not gamifying uh, learning content we are mm-hmm. actually that's why one of our taglines is also edifying games which means we let the game makers make the games and we try to find edu- trying to find a way how to put learning content in those games and you right, you rightly said that uh, this can scale into something uh, like a new alternative revenue stream in the future it's part of our product roadmap as well where this could be an, an additional way for game studios to make money so game studios make money through ads and in-app purchases uh, they could also use skiddos in the future to make uh, additional revenue stream there will be this will be like the third revenue stream they can have
1: mm-hmm. well, once you got to denmark i mean i, I mean you spoke about uh, you know what you all sort of went through as a business in india but once once you got to denmark uh, what were some of the earliest challenges i mean in general as, a, as, a, as entrepreneurs, but also maybe specific to building something with children in mind, uh, what are some of your biggest challenges? I think the first biggest challenge is that
0: I didn't know anyone in Denmark, right? So for, uh, uh, this was my first time in Denmark. So just to uh, have a footing there and build my network there, that was a challenge. But well, the accelerator program definitely helped. Uh, and then I ended up uh, living, living in a co-living space uh, there, which also expanded my network. Uh, the second part was once I had the idea, you know, the, when I had the Eureka movement, Oh, why do we need to make the games? Was there a way to embed learning content? Then the second challenge was finding people who can help me do that and then finding the funding for it. Uh, luckily, in a welfare country like uh, Denmark, uh, you know, the government really, really has a lot of uh, programs which can support innovative ideas. So mm-hmm. within the first uh, two years, I raised close to $250,000 in grant money. So grant money means there's no equity involved. It's just they're supporting entrepreneurship, they're supporting innovation. And I used uh, those funds to hire the first few team members who could build this new product for us. Um, And and that whole experience uh, was very challenging. Now, when I look back, it was not easy. Um, I had to work really hard to get that going.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you also have uh, some apps, also uh, where it sort of people can directly uh, download and install. And I saw there's some animation characters as well.
0: Uh. Yeah. So, so um, you know, when investors uh, VCs ask uh, in one line, "What is kiddos? Uh, typically, what I say is, "We like the Netflix of learning games." Uh, huh. Now, what is different about Netflix or Spotify or any of these uh, apps, where have which have lots of content inside, is that typically they have one app which has all the content embedded inside, right? Netflix has all the movies and shows and all the other stuff and Spotify has podcasts and albums and all of that. Uh, in our case, we don't have that. Uh, we have a library of growing apps because uh, one of the restrictions of having this SDK is that we cannot have a universal Skittos app which will have all the games uh, you know, published inside the app. That's technically mm. right now a constraint. Uh, it might mm. be solved if technology advances in the future, but as of now, it's a technical problem. So as a result, uh, if a parent is a subscriber, they, they can actually subscribe uh, by downloading any one of our games. Like you said, no, we have many apps. We do have close to 50 apps on the Apple App Store. So a parent can go and discover Skiddos through any one of those 50 apps, sign up, create a Skiddos account, subscribe. But uh, they will still have to download the second, third, fourth, fifth game individually yeah. on their phone because mm-hmm. we don't have a universal app where they can find everything um and and play within inside the app they and, and each of our apps actually have a skiddows universe and a user experience which enables discovery for parents to find the second third fourth fifth game but it's still um not the best experience uh, you know when you compare it to netflix or spotify but actually but i yeah but actually now uh when i saw it so i don't know whether you uh know but netflix has also gone into games <laughs> uh, right. and uh, now i can see that they also follow the same approach so Although you have the Netflix app where you can discover the games Netflix has to all the subscribers. But in order to play the games, you have to download those games individually on your mobile device. Uh, And similarly, Apple Arcade also has the same concept. You can subscribe to Apple Arcade, but you still have to download each of the games individually. So hopefully now this is also becoming popular and consumers can get it because in the initial few years, Parents really struggle to understand this concept, like you know, one subscription and access to fifty apps, which I which they have to download individually. But now it's getting better and better because I think other companies are also following uh, this. But we were probably one of the first few companies in the world who followed this approach.
1: Mm. G- give us a sense of uh, your impact today, especially once you kind of figured out that you're onto something with your software development kit. You know, maybe talk about the number of children, skidos has touched cumulatively so far.
0: Yeah, so uh, till date we've had more than two point one million kids across the world uh, using one or more of our skidos games. Uh, they have uh, cum- cumulatively answered more than like solved more, more than three hundred million puzzles. Uh, most of our like almost seventy percent of our users come from uh, the English-speaking parts of the world. So that's North America, UK, Australia. And then the balance, 30% come from uh, the Western European uh, countries. Reason being because we also localised a lot of the content uh, for those uh, European
1: languages. Have you guys also uh, looked, I know you've been completely involved in building the company itself, but I'm just wondering whether you looked at any longer term uh, impact of uh, how your uh, uh, you know your way of doing this made them more curious and maybe some child started uh, was exposed to uh, you know when she was six years old now it's been now she's 11 or 12 Uh, anything that you all have done to track that
0: Uh, as much as we like to unfortunately not in such a long term we haven't but uh, we track three things Uh, one is of course, how children are performing uh, in subjects like math, where, you know, either you get an answer right or wrong. So you have an accuracy score. So we've seen that, uh, you know, kids who uh, play our games for over a period of year can actually improve their accuracy accuracy rates by anywhere between 15% to 50%, depending on grade as long as they're you know playing the game more and more and coming back uh, for at least a period of a year so we have that data point which gives us you know a lot of confidence that we are on the right track then we do a lot of research uh, qualitative research talking to parents testing with kids uh, to see whether they're having fun uh, how often do they come back to play the games and then we have a lot of these internal metrics uh, to see whether they're actually being engaged with the learning content and then um, uh, the third part of research, is the independent uh, you know, third-party research which is out there uh, which tells us or at least gives us a lot of confidence that uh, games can actually uh, impact a child's learning a lot of non-academic skills can also be learned through games uh, not just motor skills but critical thinking skills collaborating skills so we believe that you know games can actually play a huge huge role in uh, education and both academic and as well as soft skills for a child
1: Okay, uh, I, I want to ask you about uh, what what you are thinking, where you are at today uh, in terms of many of the uh, new technologies that people are now very excited about. Probably the first one should be uh, AI, uh, and then of course now everyone's talking about uh, metaverse, uh, and then there are also uh, you know specific uh, technologies like computer vision, uh, augmented reality, and all the, all these kinds of uh, things that are uh, advancing quite a bit. So. Maybe you want to just talk about uh, where you are at today with respect to using any of these things uh, and and maybe uh, give us a glimpse into some of the things that you all are thinking about for the future. Yeah,
0: I think uh, a lot of the technologies you mentioned uh, that is in our uh, product roadmap uh, for the next two to three years. What we're currently using, uh, uh, I think you mentioned AI. Uh, mm. I think AI is used. Uh, very uh, carelessly a lot of times by entrepreneurs. Uh, I wouldn't say that uh, we're using AI, I I would say that we have advanced algorithms uh, which can turn into uh, AI products uh, because uh, for AI to actually do its job you need to really feed the AI with crazy amount of data Uh, Mm -hmm. and we we haven't reached that level yet but we've built advanced algorithms uh, in two areas. One is to personalize the learning for the child so depending on a child's skill level. Uh, he or she would get an appropriate, uh, you know, topic to solve. Uh, similarly, uh, we also use advanced algorithms to recommend uh, games uh, to the child based on their interest, based on their engagement levels in the games they play. We recommend the right kind of game, similarly to how Netflix does it for content. Mm. But we haven't reached the level where you know where we fed the the algorithm with so much data that now it's actually an AI.
1: So uh, for your apps on your website, I saw that you've, uh, you know, they, have, they are meant for children up to 11 years or so. Uh, hmm. But the, the SDK part of it, uh, what kind of age groups uh, are you talking about?
0: So, so SDK is, think of it as just like an internal tool. It doesn't have any age restriction.
1: Right, Then no, I get that. Huh. But it will go into uh, another game company's game. So uh, basically, I'm asking you about the age groups that you know, they would be looking at where your tech is doing its work.
0: Yeah, so we uh, we have our learning content map from age two, or I would say age three, H two is a bit very early, but age three to around age 10. So preschool to grade five, that's where the curriculum uh, we've designed for. Um, and then basically based on that, we look out for games which are suitable for this age group. And uh, internally, we have two segments, the school going children, because uh, once you go to school, your behavior changes a lot. Whereas, you know, in preschool, you're largely influenced by your parents and parents have a big say in your digital screen time or anything you do. Uh, okay. Whereas once you go to schools, you get you know affected by your peers, what your friends are playing, lots of other aspects as well. So yeah. uh, these are two broad segments we are catering to. And then uh, when we go out there to look for partners, uh, we ensure that the games uh, should be popular amongst these two segments. Um, They should not have any violence, Uh, they should not have any content which could be offensive uh, for the segment or the parents as well. So that's how we go about
1: it. Mm. Just want to circle back to India a little bit. Uh, Mm I mean, I guess over the last uh, few years, the startup scene in India has kind of become big. A lot of people say that, you know, experienced talent availability is also now uh, way better than what it was even three or five years back. I'm just wondering from your point of view, how, how do you look at this market today? I, I know that you're beginning to expand a little bit in India, you're recruiting some uh, folks over here. So what, what, what Any? just talk about India plans.
0: So uh, in terms of recruitment, uh, I, I, I echo your opinion that India has huge amount of talent, uh, especially in engineering, now even in product and marketing as well. Uh, and we definitely tap into that. Um, i think uh, in terms of uh, compensation levels uh, if i have to be honest i think uh, because now post covid uh, there is this huge trend of hiring people from any part of the world uh, so the salary levels of talented people has gone up and it's um, it's also not necessary uh, you know for an entrepreneur that hiring in india the economic aspect of hiring in india is no longer the only reason um, or rather the main reason because the compensation levels of uh, talented people is uh, getting close to what it is in Europe or even in North America. But, I, 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 but I'm very bullish about talent in India because uh, in, in, in Skiros, for example, uh, almost uh, 80% of our team is in India.
1: Okay. Uh, Give us a sense of some of the things that you're already doing out of India and some things that you're planning to do out of India. Uh, so a large
0: part of our uh, engineering and product is uh, out of india right so all the engineering team our qa team uh, our, a lot of our product team is based in india uh, some most of our marketing team is based in europe uh, and i think that yeah. we've done it for for, for strategic reason uh, because if um, our users are in north america and europe then uh, it makes sense to also have uh, people from those countries uh, help us in marketing uh, to the to our core audience
1: so I guess as a market, India is still some, some way off uh, for you to you know, look at this, this region more seriously.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, that's, that's a fair uh, observation. Uh, we haven't immediately planned for India, India context product because I think there also we might have, want to localize the content. Uh, and we feel that the propensity mm-hmm. to pay for mm-hmm. our kind of product is still very low uh, in terms of scale it's still uh, largely an advertising-led market right Uh, so whenever if we choose to go that path down the road then maybe we will explore but not anytime immediately unfortunately
1: Mm.
0: but 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 at the same time uh, our games are available on the indian app store uh, because uh, with apple and google uh, you have that distribution system in place right but uh, we're not aggressively marketing in india
1: Mm. okay uh just want to ask you a little bit about uh, some of the things that you learned along the way uh, building skedros uh, you alluded to some of this at the beginning of our conversation about how this problem about curiosity and so on that you came across is a worldwide problem since then in your mind what kind of conclusions have you drawn from your experience building skedros about you know what folks are doing well in how we teach our children what needs to be fixed uh, and obviously you've seen firsthand different models in different parts of the world so I'm just wondering if, if there are any sort of specific things that you know that that you have uh, figured out
0: yeah I think uh, a, a lot of uh, what we're doing at skiddos and what also other edtech companies are doing right is to actually use the power of technology for engaging the child um, including technologies like uh, augmented reality virtual reality mixed reality I think those uh, we have to move in that direction because they are really, really engaging compared to your typical textbook. And I think a lot of companies, a lot of uh, funds are going in that direction, which is great. Uh, the other part, which a lot of companies are also doing really well, including us, is personalized learning. The ability to uh, you know, identify the strengths and uh, non-strengths of a child and accordingly uh, personalize their learning journey across subjects, whether it's math or reading or coding or science. I think we're getting better and better at that as well things which i feel uh, still require dramatic improvement or uh, have a lot of uh, scope for improvement one is at a global level i think uh, compensation levels for teachers you know if you want kids to uh, you know cope up with the world 15 years down the line then the people teaching them also need to be the brightest people and if the compensation level of teachers is not uh, improved then you probably will not attract the bright- brightest people I'm, I'm not saying that teachers currently are not bright but I think uh, there's massive room for improvement. And countries like uh, Finland have actually uh, cracked that. I mean, teachers in Finland are one of the highest paid professionals. Uh, and I think a lot of countries yeah. should follow that. Uh, yeah. The other the other part is also educating parents on how they can play uh, an active role in the development of their child. I think parents uh, definitely want their child to do well, but they might not be trained enough to understand how how their actions and behavior can actually uh, affect the child in the long run. A lot of our, for example, fears or the way we deal with problems as adults is, is uh, because of uh, some childhood experience we had, mainly connected to the parents. So I think uh, it's a lot. this is more to do with social and emotional learning of a child and I think parents and teachers play a key role and I think there is some, there is a lot of room for improvement in that aspect. And I think the third Third thing which we can really improve is the feedback loops uh, we give to children. So kids are very receptive to the feedback they get, whether it's from the parents or teachers or friends or even a tech product. And I feel, uh, based on what I've experienced across uh, across tech products, I think um, there's not many companies who have actually cracked that feedback loop. So that in order to build confidence in in the child, so that they do not actually have any fear of learning, and and that is something I think. Companies need to get better and better.
1: What's your, what are your earliest memories of, uh, uh, you know, some of the things from your childhood that, looking back, you feel influenced uh, your career? And you already mentioned that you know not being really engaged at school in terms of your curiosity and so on. But other than that, uh, do you recall what were the sort of biggest influences that, looking back, maybe you know influenced your career choices? Yeah, I
0: think uh, sports played a big role in who I am because, uh, you know, when, you, when you're when you a sports person, you compete, you collaborate, uh, you build perseverance, uh, this attitude of never giving up. And I think uh, that really, really helped me uh, in my entrepreneurial days. And also that kind of uh, built this idea of me wanting to be an entrepreneur because I, I felt that I had those skills to, actually uh, succeed, because I'm actually a very uh, thick-skinned person, I hate, I, I, I hate losing.
1: But I guess that's good as an entrepreneur.
0: That's what I'm saying, yeah. So uh, uh, I'm very perseverant uh, in whatever I want to do, um, and that has really really helped me in uh, being the one of startups which succeed. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think sports actually has a very important role in shaping my personality and I think it can actually influence uh, kids around the world as well. Mm I think sports is a very, very important part of growing up as a child.
1: Mm. In between modern school and MBA, what did you study in college? Uh, So
0: bachelor's in commerce uh, from Delhi University. Uh, I picked up uh, commerce because I was good in Uh, I felt I was good in economics and accounting. So that made sense. I was not so good in science (laughs) because obviously, like I said, I I never actually uh, understood science as much as I should have.
1: (laughs) Mm. Okay, fair enough. All right. So just to bring it back uh, to Skeidos, as we start to wrap up, it's kind of a standard question uh, over the next 12 to 18 months. uh, What are your top priorities, both in terms of your tech and product roadmap and in in terms of uh, expanding your business operations?
0: Yeah. So uh, in terms of... Tech, uh, there are a couple of things which we want to focus on. Uh, we want to build a curriculum for social emotional learning because we feel that's very important. And we already started that. And soon uh, you will see uh, what we have to offer in that area. We also want to look at non-digital products because we believe that uh, you know kids should spend, although screen time is decent, but too much of screen time is not probably healthy as well. So we're very mm-hmm. cognizant of that. And we're also aware that children learn everywhere even outside screens right so we want to build content uh, for non digital activities as well and that is something uh, which you will also hear see soon uh, to be launched a couple of maybe one and a half years down the line we are also exploring how we can use uh, augmented reality and mixed reality uh, but that is something at a very early stage because um, we still have to kind of build an mvp in that area from a business point of view i think uh, i think most of us know that it's a uh, very uncertain macro, uh, you know, economic environment. Uh, luckily, we predicted this almost a year ago, uh, and mm-hmm. from then on, we decided that we're going to target uh, being a bit positive. And for this year, we already are a bit, a bit, a bit a positive and we have, we don't have a runway problem. Uh, so we really don't need uh, investor money to uh, succeed as a company. We may, ne- we may need it to scale faster, but that's a choice uh, which we will, uh, you know, make. Uh, When we are confident uh, you know uh, when is the right time for us to raise money at our terms Uh, so from a business point of view in a very good place because we are a bit positive free cash flows um, and we're just investing in product right now whatever free cash flows we have is going back into product Um, and at some point we will definitely want to raise money uh, probably sometime next year not not this year um, and that's when we'll actually go fundraising
1: Quick query, on the, you said no, non-screen uh, products. Did you mean you want to experiment with physical products?
0: Uh, that is something, uh, yes, we are exploring. Uh, both physical pro- products as well as um, stuff which kids can do with their parents uh, as activities at their home.
1: And, and as, as startups go, uh, you guys have been sort of pretty uh, frugal or modest in terms of your fundraising. Uh, is that, was that sort of a conscious philosophical choice or was that how things worked out?
0: Uh, I think it was a constant choice uh, because we wanted to be in a position where we are financially independent first. So mm-hmm. hence we had that frugal mentality from the beginning that let the product make money for us. Uh, and, and that's also, the, in my mind, the right approach because if you've hit product market uh, fit, right, then you, your product should generate money, at least in our space. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some industries don't have that luxury, but in our space, if you make a good product, consumers should be willing to pay for it. Uh, so it was a uh, definitely a frugal decision and uh, a conscious decision and now actually it's great right because a lot of companies uh, who are dependent on external funding are really struggling right now but we are not Mm -hmm. so we we are are very happy in hindsight that we took that approach
1: okay excellent Uh, Aditya very nice first conversation with you sir and uh, thank you so much for making time for this Uh, definitely hope to keep the conversation going
0: same here it was a pleasure and wish you all the success thank you
1: That's it for this week's Startup Fridays. Thank you so much wherever you are. I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend ahead.